0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His goodness is forever. His mercy, he says, is new every morning. And surely his favor is our delight. He is great and greatly to be praised. He is wonderful in every way. He is the delight of our souls. He is our rising, shining star. He is the darling of heaven. He is our gift in and through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, have your way have your way. Have your way. Praise God. God is good. Amen. All right. Prayers have been said. The table has been set. Praise and worship has ushered in his presence. Our frontline soldiers We're on duty and did a great job. Praise God. Sometimes you just don't know. It's just a thick presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Go ahead and take your seats and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 14. Just be ready to hold service, okay? Praise God. But I'll let you know. We're talking about the seven indispensable relationships that we cannot do without. And I concluded last week talking about the first six. But this week, I'm not sure how service is going to go because I just spent so much time searching, learning, researching, diving in. I almost got lost. Uh, it, it's a miracle that I made it here this morning because it it's just been that good. But we're just going to talk about this last, friend, the BFF for real, the ride or die, the always on time, the never leave you or forsake you, the one who's always with us, the one who dwells in the temple called our bodies, our our faithful friend, the Holy Spirit. That's the last indispensable relationship that literally you cannot live without. And I just want you to have your spirits open to receive. I hope you have pen and paper, especially if you are believing God for healing, for restoration, for deliverance, whether it's in your body, in your spirit, in your mind. Take down these notes because I believe truly God says that we are destroyed for a lack of what? knowledge. And I'm about to dump a whole lot of information on you on this morning. In fact, it's so much that I just sometimes as ministers, when we're preparing a message, the message starts out this big. I mean, we write many books almost every single week and we have to cut it and cut it and cut it to get it in, into a 20 to 35. And then me and my husband case, we always go over time, 40 to 45 minutes. And this morning, I just couldn't do it. So this might be a two-part series. First service, I'm going to minister on the first part. Second service, I'm going to minister on the second part. That's what I believe is going to happen. If you're able to stay, especially if you're believing God and you're standing strong in some areas, I encourage you to stay if you're able to. If not, then by all means, we're going to upload both messages on SoundCloud. But I just want to make sure that I got this information into you because we have forsaken, have under-regarded under-recognized, under-relied upon the third head of God, and that is the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus warned us not to grieve him. Not to neglect them. In fact, Jesus in his last days upon the earth. Right now, we're in this season where we're, for some, the Catholics especially, they're honoring this season called Lent. The last 40 days of Jesus' ministries. And this last 40 days, he spent most of his time talking about the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that? I didn't realize that until I went through all four gospels. I was like, wait a minute. Before he leaves this earth, wait a minute, before I go. Let me make sure I get this into you. John chapter 14, I'm going to read from the message um, interpretation. It says, Jesus is talking, John 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you to do. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. few passages down, verses 25 and 26, Jesus is still talking. He says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He'll remind you of all the things that I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. So God partnered the Holy Spirit with us. Why? Because if the plan was to redeem mankind and to give us access to the throne, if really everything in his word is what we need, why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why? Human beings, you have a piece in your makeup, in your existence that cries out for someone or something beyond you. You cry out for the supernatural. You long for something stronger. You desire and you just live in this space of needing something bigger. And that hole can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. Not your intellect, not your achievements, not your bank account, not your looks, not your who you know. It can only be filled by this friend that the message passage calls the Holy Spirit. Why? Now, here we go. Note-taking time. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to answer this question, why? Romans chapter 8, I'm about to show you some things about us. Reading from the King James Version, it says, likewise, verses 26 and 27, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself, now that word itself is actually the word autos, and it's a generic pronoun. It could mean itself, herself, hisself, himself. It's just a generic possessive pronoun. When the Bible was translated from the Greek, it was translated into the Latin. And from the Latin, it was translated into Old English. When the Old English was trans- when that translated was extracted, they put in its, but it's actually himself. He is a person. Maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, in the very first line of this passage, in verse 26, he synoptically says exactly what he's here for, helpeth our infirmities. He's here to helpeth our infirmities. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. We're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That word, infirmities, is actually the Greek word, athenios. Athenios. You can put the notes. If you're looking online, welcome. The notes are in the U version app. You can follow along in the outline and take notes along with that. If you want to go back to study this out, I encourage you to do so. By all means, do that. But that word Athenios, the Greek word, is basically the word for sick. Generally, it means, the definition is to be generally sick, not well, not of proper function. It's the generic word for ill or unhealthy. So that word there, Athenios, basically is the word sick. So it's very generic, though. It's not specific to anything. If one has cancer, you could say that they are sick. I had a runny nose and I wasn't feeling well for the past few weeks, so I was sick. Jeffrey Dahmer was considered to be sick in the head. So that word sick is very generic. But so he says here, the Holy Spirit's here to help us in our sickness. Well, within the word sick, Athenios, There are, when you look through the Bible, I heard a minister, a great teacher, one of my favorites, one of my mentors, he don't know it, he don't know who I am, but one of my mentors internationally, and he was teaching on, I mean, a a Greek scholar was teaching on some things, and he sent me on this bunny trail, because I took, went home, and I was so excited about what I learned, and I went on this bunny trail, hence this message, and within that word, Athenios, sick, when you go through the Bible, and you look at what Jesus healed throughout the Gospels, you find out that Jesus healed specifically and most commonly five different times of sicknesses, five different kinds of sicknesses. And since the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm here to help you with your infirmities, with your sicknesses. Let's talk about these sicknesses, shall we? All right. Number one, turn with me to your Bibles, Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four, verse 23 it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. That word sickness right there is number one. The first of the five manners of sickness is the Greek word nosos. Nosos. N-O-S-O-S. Nosos. Nosos. And defined, it means an infirmity, a terminal condition for which there is no natural cure. It is an infirmity, a terminal condition for which there is no natural cure. An example of this could be some forms of cancer. An example of this could be AIDS. An example of this could be Alzheimer's. It's a terminal condition for which there is no naturally known cure. And Jesus healed it. In fact, he said this is what he was sent to do. Number two. Part of that Matthew chapter 4 verse 23, he says, All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Okay, so this is something a little different. And that word disease there, number two, is the Greek word malakia. Malakia, M-A-L-A-K-I-A. And that word right there is defined as being a disease, a crippling, debilitating disease. It means softness, that is innervation, some type of disability. It's a weakness. And this is a totally different message, but it was interesting to me that the Lexicon uh, Bible Dictionary defined it also as as it pertains to men and effeminacy. I'm not going to go there right now, but that was interesting to me. But it's a debilitating disease. It's a crippling disease. An example of malachion would be MS, Parkinson's. It would be that which attacks the bones, the muscles, or the nerves. It's debilitating. It's not going to necessarily kill you. But it will cause you to live life partially fulfilled. Okay? That's Malachia. Number three. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 55, in Amplified, it says here, I want you to pay attention to this specific example that the Holy Spirit led me to use. And I thought this was really good when you really look at it. Mark 6, it says, and they ran about the whole countryside and began to carry around sick people on their sleeping mats or pads to any place where they heard that he being Jesus was. So these were healthy people that were carrying around their sick people on Pads and mattresses to Jesus wherever he was. And it says, goes on to say, so that if they could just touch the hem of his garment, he would be whole. And that word right there, sick, is actually the word mystique. No, no, kakos. I'm sorry, let me back up. Kakos. K-A-K-O-S. Kakos is defined as badly, whether it's physically or morally, Amiss. Diseased, evil, miserably sick, sore, oppressed, mentally ill, confused, and socially worthless. So these sick people that had to be led about by their loved ones were people that were deemed, according to this definition, mentally ill or socially worthless. Okay? Not normal by social standards. And they drug him to Jesus and Jesus healed them. Okay. Number four. Turn with me to Mark chapter five. One chapter over. Verse 29. Talking about the woman with the issue of blood. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. That word plague there, and we're going to talk about this one a little bit because this is the most common. That word plague there is the Greek word mastique. It comes from the root word mastique. M-A-S-T-I-X. The root word mastique. M-A-S-T-I-X. And that word plague means to scourge, to handle, or to grip. It's thought that root word is through the idea of contact or a whip. Now, let's talk about this a little bit because this is very, very common. And socially, we have been conditioned to accept it. But this word, mystique, comes from talking about having been whipped. Remember Jesus when he was beat, beaten with a cat of nine tails? It was a, a whip with a hard handle, and it had these long leather strips at the end of it. And at the end of those leather strips was tied glass, bones, anything sharp, hooks, pieces of metal. And they would take it, and they would beat the back, of the back of Jesus. They would beat the back of the prisoner. And when they beat the back of the prisoner, they were, the Romans did it 30, uh, 40 times. The Jews did it 39, just so they could feel good about themselves. And they would beat him. This, is if there was, this was their sentence. Because Jesus took the beating, the scourging, and the crucifixion. Okay? He took it all in our place. But if you were a prisoner, back in those times, they were and You got this here. This was the, the, the sentencing before, uh, just short of the death penalty. And what they would do is they would take the prisoner, strap him to the post, and they would beat him. 39 if you were Jewish, 40 if you were Roman. And they would take him and beat him just to the brink of death. They'll pick him up, take him back to his cell, nurse him, back to health. And just when his sores and cuts and beating scars are being healed, they take him right back out to that beating post, put him right back and strap him in, and then they beat him again, 39 or 40 times. Beat him again, beat him again, beat him again. Taking him again just to the brink of death. Putting him back in his cell, once again, nursing his wounds together, helping his body heal up. And again, just at the brink of healing, they take him right back out to the beating post. And this is his sentence for however long he's in prison. It wasn't enough that he was locked up. But just when he started getting healed and strong again, they'll take him right back to that beating post and start beating him and beating him and beating him. So what this word mystique, the word plague here, is that thing that it doesn't kill you, but it comes back and it doesn't go away. And it's just there long enough to make your life miserable. Examples of this is allergies. Examples of this is asthma. Asthma. Examples of this is eczema flare-ups and psoriasis flare-ups. That thing. This an example of this is those fibroids. That when it's that time of the month, ladies, we are in excruciating pain. We don't. It's not there all the time, but it goes away and it comes back. It goes away and it comes back, and in some cases, so much so that it just makes our life miserable. It's tormentuous. This is the fourth kind of healing that Jesus ministered while he was here on the earth that he still by his name and his blood ministers even to today. Number five. The last one. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 18 it says and they shall take up serpents And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And we get excited about that because that's God. Jesus, Jesus is talking to us, and he says, we can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And that word right there, sick, is a fifth Greek word that I'm going to define, aristos. Aristos, A-R-R-H-O-S-T-O-S, aristos. And what that word means basically is to be comatose, unconscious. Remember the girl that was laid half dead, the the, the daughter, she was Aristos. Right here when he says, Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall, Aristos. And he's saying right here that the believer, this is how partnered the Holy Spirit will be with you this is how connected he'll be with you and if you let him if you allow him he will empower and use my name and use his access to the throne when he's making intercession to you to empower you in a moment where you can lay hands on the aristos the comatose the unconscious and they'll recover they'll come back to life they'll be revived and those are the five definitions that's encapsulated in that word "asthenios." When Jesus, when God says, when the Holy Spirit says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that he's here to helpeth our infirmities. That word infirmities, sickness, encapsulates these five ailments that Jesus came specifically to heal. It's like a glove. There's one glove, but there's five fingers in that glove. And just as like I, when I stick my hand in that glove... That's all that, it, that, that, those are the things that it covers. Those are the basis of what Jesus said, I'm here to heal, okay? Now, what does this have to do with Holy Spirit and what he says? Okay. Well, we know in Romans 8, 26 and 27, he's not specifically talking about this physical healing, but he's saying that, hey, this is what I'm here to help you spiritually. So basically what he's saying, using that word asthenios, knowing that it capsulizes these five general aspects of healing, he says, Hey, you can function in this earth and be a believer because this is written to the believers and be spiritually. You could be spiritually a terminal case. You could not have the answers. You can not know what to do. You can not, you can exist and not have direction. You could be a spiritual terminal case and exist and still be in me. He says that you can be a spiritual crippled. You get along, but barely. When things hit, it knocks you out. You're weak in you soft when it comes to spiritual matters because of your uncertainty. And Holy Spirit says, that's what I'm here to help. He says, spiritually, I'm here to help you if you're spiritually confused. You don't know what to do. You're not sure. Is that God, the devil, or me talking? I'm here to help you when you're spiritually confused. He says, spiritually, I'm here to help you when you're mastigas, mastique. When you are being beaten over and over, you're entertaining the same problem over and over again. You're dealing with the same issue over and over again. It does not go anywhere. It's almost sure to show up. Holy Spirit says, I'm here to help you and to take you through that Repetition of issues. Holy Spirit says, I'm here to help you when you are aristos, when you are spiritually comatose. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. You don't know when to acknowledge him. You don't even know where you're going in the things of the spirit. But I'm here to help you. He says, I'm here to help you when you're in these states of existence because that's where you're going to be at some point in time. You're going to deal with one, if not all, of these issues spiritually. And as the time draws nigh, how much more? When you got all these other distractions coming at you, Holy Spirit says, I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm here to help you when you're dealing with this. When you don't know the answer, I'm here to help you. When it seems like all is lost, I'm here to help you. When you seem like you're confused, I'm here to help you. When it seems like the same problem keeps coming back, I'm here to help you. Now, help me. Okay. So... I'm going to talk about this because I believe this is going to help those that are, de- that are dealing with spiritual matters and as well as, I mean, with physical matters as well as spiritual matters. Jesus in general, because you can't look up all this and park there. You got to see and investigate, okay, Jesus, but how did you heal? How did you heal? What happened when you were healing people? I've seen supernatural healings and I've seen progressive healings for throughout the entire time that I've been involved in ministry. Shoot, throughout the entire time of my salvation. But Jesus, how did you heal? He ain't hiding it. So let's talk about two general ways, two of the most, well, not general, two of the most common and specific ways that Jesus healed. Just going to talk about two of them. And what I learned, which is so interesting, I started preaching to my husband last night. and He was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, while he was side-eyeing the TV. <laughs> That's my baby, though. But he was engaged. But there was a specific difference between when Jesus healed the asthenios sick versus when he recovered or delivered those that were oppressed of the devil. Two totally different things. But we're going to side, err on the side of healing right now, okay? How did Jesus heal those that were Athenios, sick? Number one, if you turn to Matthew chapter 8, and I'll read from the uh, uh, Amplified. Matthew chapter 8, verse 7, it says, And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, the backdrop of this story is when the centurion came up to Jesus and says, Listen, Jesus... I'm hearing about all this healing that you're doing. And I have a servant person that I love dearly. And he's at the house at the brink of death. Would you please heal him? And Jesus says, I will come and I will heal him. Then later on, well, no, let's just stay right there because I'm getting ahead of myself. That word heal there is the word therapeo. Therapeo. What does that sound like? Therapy. So, in other words, Jesus was going to come and therapy him. Almost, I mean, the majority of the time when you see that word heal, healeth, healing, healed, is the word therapeo. In other words, what happened was Jesus was send forth power, but there was something necessary with the recipient by which he had to do something to cooperate with that power. Remember, he told the leper, stretch forth your hand and be healed. Remember, he told the lame man to stand up and take up your mat and walk. Oftentimes, when we pray for healing for other people, we have to remember, we have to get them engaged. When I tell you you don't get something for nothing, you don't get something for nothing. You have to participate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit just to indicate, even if it starts out in the flesh and ends up in faith, that you receive the healing that he's ministering to you. And Jesus required this most of the time. He required that they did something to heal, to cooperate with the healing power that was going forth in that moment. But then... (laughs) Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for healing power to be made manifest right now. Holy Spirit, manifest yourself through the power of your word. Those that have medical backgrounds and ministers, please and those that are medically trained, please tend to him. Okay, He's walking with them. Praise God. We're believing we're going to believe God for His healing. For his complete recovery in Jesus' name. (laughs) Hallelujah. When I tell you the enemy does not want you to get this information. And he will do whatever he needs to do. To get you off. If you don't recognize that for what it is, you better. Caleb is healed. He's strong. He's recovered in the name of Jesus. I've known him since he was a boy and he's resilient. His wife knows the peace of God in Jesus' name. If you're viewing us or if you're looking at this by way of social media, just know that the devil tried to do something that he lost at. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Continuing on, later on in Matthew chapter 8, the satyrion then says to Jesus, because Jesus just says, okay, take me to your house, I will heal him. And then satyrion says, no, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. Just send, your for, send forth your word only, and he will be healed. Now, that word healed is different than the first word healed. Mind you, Jesus was talking. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to therapy him. I'm going to therapy him. But now the centurion says, no, I'm not worthy that you come into my house. Just send your word forth only. And this word, and he will be healed. He will be my." It's a different word, aeomai. I A O M A I is the Greek word. And that word there is the word to cure. That word there is the word which was oftentimes used by the Greeks to mean doctor. I will, he will be doctored, he will be cured. Now, Acts chapter 10 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's the talks of the gifts of the Spirit, and there's the gifts of healing, and then there's the gifts of miracles or powers. And when that is ministered, oftentimes people receive aeomai. And when they receive aeomai, what that means, let's think about this practically. Let's back up. Let's just break this down. How many of you weren't feeling well? You didn't know what was wrong with you, but you you noticed something about your physical body, you weren't feeling well, and you went to the doctor. When you went to the doctor, what did the doctor do? He assessed you, right? He made some conclusions about your heart rate, your blood pressure, your weight, your temperature, some things, he took some practical information down, and he analyzed it, and then he looked at the specific areas in which you were complaining about, and he was, in most cases, they were able, she was able to make a diagnosis, and with that diagnosis, she prescribed some type of medic- medication or some type of treatment that would aid to a cure. Now, when you went to the doctor, did, did you walk out instantly cured in most cases? No, but they gave you and then they empowered you with information and with some tactical necessities to produce a cure in you. This word ealmai, when Jesus ealmai people, I just made up a word, when he ealmai people, it oftentimes didn't manifest instantly. He 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 produced power in them, but that power in them had to work its way through some things to manifest a cure. An example of this was when Jesus said to the ten lepers. How many of you remember the ten lepers? And they were, they were, they were, they were... They were ill, sick, and he, he healed them and said, go present yourself to the priest and offer up the offering of Moses. And when he does this, and when they do this, it says as they walked away, they became healed. I remember um, Kenneth Hagin, one of my teachers, going on to be with the Lord now, but one of the things that really set him on fire in the ministry, specifically in the area in the, in the gifts of healing, was that he himself at a very young age was supernaturally healed. Now, mind you, this is back in the 20s, before MRI machines and all that stuff, and chemo and all that stuff. But he was diagnosed with a certain type of blood cancer that basically disabled him. He couldn't move. He couldn't, he couldn't function. And, and he always talked about how Holy Spirit, how God supernaturally healed him. And in my brain, he was laying there, almost comatose, can't move, blood messed up, emaciated, frail, and then he heard the gospel, Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 24, 25 and 26, and he just all of a sudden opened up his eyes and sat up. That's what I thought. I heard the story and read the books, y'all. That's what I thought. But then when I got a chance to sit at his feet and hear his story, no, it took over a year. For the manifestation of his healing, he received Mark chapter 11 and when he received it, he started therapeo, process, started. he would try to move something. He said he was first trying to see if he could open his eyes, and then he was able to open, open his eyes and just look down at his feet along to see if he could move his toes. And from moving his toes, he tried to move his fingers. And moving his fingers, he tried to move his head. And moving his head, he started to try and raise his arms. Therapeo. But then, mind you, in the last portion of his healing, he would talk about how then all of a sudden, it seemed like once he started moving his extremities, the rest of his body, bam, EoMai set in. The rest of the powers came in and manifested itself. So, those are the two general ways that Jesus would heal people. So I'm saying this, you know, there was a young lady. I remember back when my husband, no, let's talk about somebody that's here. Eugene. Some of you might know Eugene. I hope I'm not embarrassing him. Um, don't know if he's here or not, but a while ago, cause he's been with us for a while. He came to service. I'll never forget. He came to service, a, a older gentleman, and he was on a walker. And sometimes he would get tired of the walker, couldn't stand no more. So he would be put in a wheelchair and he would transition from walker to wheelchair, walker to wheelchair, walker to wheelchair. Babe, you remember that. And one time, Holy Spirit was just moving in the place, and Pastor Gregory said, hey, I believe the Spirit of God wants to heal people. And Eugene came up. And when Eugene came up, hands were laid on him, and he received his healing. mai. And it took a moment, because he stood there. He just stood there frozen to his walker. And then the music started playing, and he just released that walker. And been walking ever since. (laughs) For those of you that believe in God for your healing. Let me liken it to that. My best way is to give you a story. There's two kettles on the stove. And you want to boil water. You could put hot water in one kettle and cold water in the other kettle. You could turn the temperature both at 350 degrees. Are both kettles going to start boiling at the same time? Holy Spirit says, I came to helpeth you in your infirmities, your spiritual infirmities. Oftentimes our physical condition is just a result of a, of a spiritual condition. And if you haven't been in relationship with the Holy Spirit, acknowledging and realizing that you need his help, then you're going to be like that kettle that's filled with frozen water. The temperature is the same. The kettle is the same. It's the content that varies. What's consuming you? What has you locked up? What has you confused? What has you crippled? What is it? As the music department comes up here and prepares for this last, I'm going to stop right there for sake of time. I'm going to continue on this. This is not going to be a repetition in the next service, but I'm going to start talking about the help. I'm going to do this, though. I do want to leave you with this. I want to encourage you in this one thing. Holy Spirit... When he says he's here to help us, I'm going to talk a lot about that next service. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, I'm going to read it to you. It says, For no man selected or deliberately, for, for God selected, deliberately chose what in the world was foolish to put to, to put the wise to shame. And what the world calls weak to put the strong to shame. And God also selected; He deliberately chose what the world is considers low-born and insignificant, and branded and amplified, and treated with contempt. Even the things that are nothing, that He might dispose and bring to nothing, the things that are. If you are in Christ, how many of you are in Christ? How many of you want to be used of Him? How many of you want to walk in your fulfilled purpose in, in the earth? Check this out. We talked about your spiritual condition that can be weak and infirmity that is considered undesirable. And all of us deal with that. Another check. When he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, this is who I choose. This is how you qualify. You're either foolish, the Greek word moros, which is where we get the, the word moron. Stupid, heedless, stubborn, ignorant. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. This is how you qualify now. Be careful when you say you want to be used to God. I thank God I'm not smart enough to be outqualified for God. He says, I use the base is what the King James calls it. The base. That word base right there is a genus without kin, of no lineage, of no lineage, no legacy. The nobodies of the world. He uses the base, the nobodies of the world, to confound those that are somebodies that think they all that. You know the ones that introduce themselves with all the letters behind their names that demand that you call them by their title. And then he says, I use the weak. Same word there for weak is Athenios. He said he uses the Athenios, the weak, the unfirm, the soft, the ones that know they can't make it on their own. That's who he uses to do great and mighty exploits in the world. Personal story, when I first got into ministry, I went to school. I mean, I thought I was called, but reality is I went to Brahma because I just really loved God, and I knew that I wanted to know as much as I could possibly know about him, and I couldn't wait no 10 years to find out. So I wanted an immediate download about God, and I thought I knew something when I graduated from ministry school. Oh yes, I understand the hypostatic union. I could tell you about the ecclesia. The, the doxology of Christ. I could tell you about all those things. The gifts of the spirit and all nine of them and their function in the earth. I can tell you about that. Then I got in the trenches. Started experiencing people. And all of a sudden, I was intimidated. I was like, God, I don't know enough to heal. How do I know if you're going to show up when I lay hands on them? I don't know if I know how to pray. Then I'm hearing these preachers and they're quoting all these scriptures and they're telling you where to find it in the Bible. I barely knew all the books of the New Testament. They're referring to all these big words and all these things and I was intimidated. Intimidated. And, and then I'm thinking, I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't come from no lineage of churches. In fact, I never stepped foot in a church until I was grown. I don't know anything about spiritual matters. In fact, I got my own set of mess. This is what I want you to get. In spite of your weaknesses, in spite of you being base, weak, or foolish, your shortcomings don't disqualify you. Actually, your shortcomings qualify you. Because it's in your shortcomings that you realize, I can't do this by myself. And you become like Paul and say, your grace is sufficient because in, your, in my weakness, you are made strong. And I cannot take the glory for what he does in my life because I realized that I needed his help. And he came to help me (laughs) so that I can grow more dependent on him. So I'm not walking around life trying to fix everything, trying to have a five hour prayer session and quote the entire book of Acts, Philippians, Romans, and Hebrews let me just love him where I'm at and be the best that I can be and let my helper do the rest. So wherever you are, whatever help you need while they're ministering this song, and I want you to listen to it, close your eyes and meditate on it for a short period of time, two to three minutes, minister this song. Let it it minister to your soul. Receive whatever it is you need while you rejoice in your help that's always present with you. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands right where you are. He's in the room. The helper is right here in the room. Whatever you want and need, lift your hands, See if he's here right now. Oh, whatever you want and need. Lift your hands, if he's here right now. Oh, hallelujah, come on, sing it with me. Whatever, whatever you want your hands see. peace here right now. The healer is here right now. Oh, whatever, whatever you want. Whatever you want Lift your hands. Lift your hands your hands, see it here right now. Oh. As your glory fills this place, all darkness is erased. It's where I seek your face. Cause you're here, you're here, you're here, I Oh, as your glory fills this place of darkness in the another Godhead. Yet he is the one that's ever with you. He is the gift that the whole, that Jesus said will, he would leave with you. He says, I'm not leaving you by yourself. You're never alone. I'm leaving my ace, boom, kum, my number one God, the one who knows me. And in fact, I did nothing on the earth unless I heard it from him. So if I needed him, how much more you? And I leave you well. I leave you whole. The message says, I'm leaving you in good hands. While you're evaluating and assessing your spiritual state, if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, oh, listen, you don't want to travel this earth and not know that you're saved. And if that's you, I want you to get down here right now. The song says, whatever you want and whatever you need, He's here right now. We cannot live in a world where there is an experience without a conversion. We can't live in a world where we expect mercy without repentance. We can't live in a world where we can expect the blessings He said, if you love me, you'll do what I told you. Without obedience. Check this. We can't live in a world where we're weak, but yet we refuse the help of the helper. If you've not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, won't you come down here so I can pray with you? If you have received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but you know, you know, that there's some things that you dare not repeat because the enemy has kept you locked in this cage of shame and guilt. And you want to be free. You want to live life for Jesus. It's nobody's business what you did, but it's his business that you're back with him. And if that's what you want to do, I want to pray with and for you. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe he can set the stage any better for you. I'm going to talk more about this in the next service. But if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues, assess yourself. There's nothing spooky. In fact, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force anything on you. But he wants you to partner with him so that you could pray those things that might have left you erastos, comatose, that might have left you kekos, confused, or even malachion. Debilitated. He wants to give you that heavenly language so that you can pray those things that you know not what to pray, but if you can get the answers that you don't even know you need. If you want to learn more about him, let's take care of that. And finally, you want to grow in an environment that's going to be conducive to your victory you want to get all that God has for you and if you believe Linked Up Church is a church home for you Pastor Gregory and I will be honored to receive you and serve you as your pastors we can promise you that you'll be taught the word of God we're called and passionate about you winning and we'll pray for you daily if anybody out there want to make those decisions and desire my prayers would you please just make your way down here to the front so I can do just that that anybody here Praise God.